Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first edition of the new matinee screening. My name is John Baschini. I'm Joel Leonard. And today we're going to talk about the 2011 movie in review. Um, it's going to be mostly them. the first half of the year, ending around July, and that is usually Joel Leonard's territory of, of particularly bad brand of <laughs> movies, so I'll let him start us off. All right, yeah, the the first, you know... Several months of the year are the movies that can't can't actually compete with the summer blockbusters. So um, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of at best okay movies in this list. But um, we'll start off in January. Um, I watched Season of the Witch, starring Nick Cage uh, and Ron Perlman, um, uh, and it was your standard Nick Cage bad movie. Um, you know, it's about the Crusades, and so you know. It's about what you expect from Nick Cage. Um, so bad. Yeah. I'm going to give okay. it a little bit better than your average Nick Cage bad movie because I like Ron Perlman a lot. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a Netflix instant at best. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Uh, number two was The Green Hornet. Um, With slimmed down Seth Rogen. Yes. So it's the first of several superhero movies this year. And the first of multiple green-themed superhero movies this year. We'll get to it later, but were any of them good? Well, we start off with Green Hornet. Was that one good? Um, Green Hornet was not as good as a Green Hornet movie should have been, but far better than a Green Hornet movie starring Seth Rogen should have been. (laughs) So it's another Netflix watch instantly. Yeah. If you're really bored. Yeah. Um, there's like a few shining moments, all of them with his sidekick. But um, yeah. Uh, the next one I watched was No Strings Attached, which was uh, one of, again, multiple, you know, friends with benefits movies this year. I love what I love about those movies is that they're all like. Justin Timberlake, Milo Kunis, Natalie Portman, Ashton Kutcher can't find anybody to have casual sex with them, so they have to turn to each other. I know. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard being that attractive, I guess. It really is. You can't find anything, so you have to turn to this inexplicably equally attractive person that you've known since birth and just happen to now <laughs> notice as attractive. I didn't see either of them, but it just... The premise kind of, you should have cast Steve Buscemi and like <laughs> Cappy Bates. I think that that would have made a more believable Friends with Benefits movie. I concur. Yeah, I didn't like this one, and I I really wanted to be at least okay with it because I like Natalie Portman, but but no, no, this one was bad. <laughs> this one was was rough to get through. Um, okay. It's also it's also interesting that both of the actresses in these movies, the movie they did before this was Black Swan. So, after you do really traumatizing ballet movies, like, this is the solution. (laughs) Paycheck, in in a sense. Yes. Uh, Next up is The Roommate, which I'd forgotten I'd seen until I went back and looked at my list. Uh, Oh, no. Yeah, it's... Do you remember it? It's the one about The Roommate? No, I remember... It's single, like, female, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. Um, she, She... gets really obsessed about her roommate and starts, you know, dressing like her and dyeing her hair. And, um, it just, it, it wasn't that scary. Um, because she's on a giant college campus and there's a lot of stuff to do on college campuses. And she had, she had a very long-term boyfriend that she spent a lot of time at his apartment. So there just, there wasn't a whole lot of interaction with this really scary roommate. 
So it, it seemed too easy to get away from her. I had a problem with that the whole movie. <laughs> whole movie long. All right. Uh, next up is uh, Just Go With It, which is, I'm pretty sure, the best Adam Sandler movie of the year. Okay, who, what are we comparing that on? We're comparing with Jack and Jill. That's it, right? Oh, oh okay. That's right. Yeah. So well, I'm, I'm, I'm in the lucky majority that hasn't seen Jack and Jill, but... Is it the best Snick Swarston movie? Because he had a lot of bad movies this year. Uh, maybe. I, I, I haven't been really keeping track of his film career, I have to admit. But Probably for the best. Um, yeah, I guess on the Adam Sandler scale, it's like just under 50 first dates, but over grown-ups. You know, it's, it's, a, pretty, it's, a, bar, it's a really standard Adam Sandler movie. There's not a whole lot to say about it. Uh, all, right. all right, number six is Drive Angry 3D. Which, which I wanted to see. But, which, is also, yeah. which is also a standard... You know, crazy Nick Cage being crazy, terrible movie. Except it's the best crazy Nick Cage being crazy movie ever made. It's ridiculous. It's like, it w- I think it was Ghost Rider before this. And now it's this one. Because this movie is crazy. Um, I'm going to say I liked it. Because... Did you see it in 3D? I didn't see it in 3D. But it's it's that cheese d where everything is you know oh look at me i'm i'm at the screen oh things are being hurled by explosion towards your face so you can watch it in 2d and go that would have been in 3d that would have been in 3d (laughs) that would have been in 3d so and yeah it's it's hard to be angry at this kind of movie since you know it's clearly the exact movie that it wished it was so um it was, yeah. You know right. what you're getting going into this movie. So if you're disappointed by it, it's your own fault. But now finally a movie I've seen. Yes. Number seven and finally one that I... Okay, in my defense, most of my March and... Or my January and February was caught up on missing Oscar movies I had missed from the previous year. So it wasn't that I just stayed at home and didn't do anything. But yes. we finally get to a new movie I saw and that was Hall Pass. I didn't like it because mainly it wasn't funny. I think my main problem with it. What do you think? Um, it was it was another one where I I watched it when it came out on Netflix and I was pretty okay with it, but yeah, I would not enough that I would recommend it. I yeah, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't. I mean, the character, the actors are likable enough. It's just it wasn't a very yeah, good it's, movie. It's actors I like, but they're not playing characters I really like. Oh, that's a good point. Um, All right. I had I had no desire for any of them to succeed. um all right next up uh beastly beastly i watched beastly which is the modern day retelling of beauty and the beast quote unquote um and it's it's pretty unwatchable except for the fact that neil patrick harris has a small part in it so so you you liked about two minutes of it yeah if somebody would you know, on YouTube, splice together the entire five minutes of Neil Patrick Harris. I would highly recommend that you. <laughs> but yeah, I can't. I can't recommend the movie. Um, next up is uh, the Adjustment Bureau with Matt Damon, Emily Blunt. Um, this is probably the first movie I can give a solid "you should watch it" recommendation to. Um. It was it was just it's an interesting concept and um it was pulled off better than than I expected it to be. Um 
It was characters that were were interesting and characters that I could end up rooting for. There were a couple of problems with the, you know, it's about people who basically control your life, who have set up a life plan for everyone in the world. And um, it's about uh, Matt Damon's a character who's trying to get off his predestined, predeterminationed life plan. Um, so the people... Suave guy from Mad Men, which is the only thing I really took out of the trailer. Yes, yeah, he's he's one of the guys who's controlling everybody's fate. Um, and he's, like, it's kind of doesn't really explain how he has that power or how you apply for that job. Uh, but at the same time, giving you just enough information that it feels like there should be more information. So um, it kind of fell apart there a little bit, but um, for the most part... Good, good, interesting movie. Okay, next we have Rango, which which I have on net, which I got on Netflix DVD and had it for two months and never brought myself to watch it. Did I miss anything? It was really pretty animation. Like it's it's almost worth it to watch it for the really pretty animation. Um, almost. I mean, it's it, it it looks really good. Um, for the story, it was a kids movie. Um. And really? It seemed fairly adult. From it's that. it's a it's a movie kids can watch that seems really determined to be like a Pixar thing where adults will enjoy it too. Um, and so it, there's there's a lot of stuff in there where adults will like certain bits of it, and and there's a lot where you can you know say oh this is this is a reference to this movie and this is a reference to that movie. Oh. So. Um, yeah, it was interesting. Um, I don't. I don't know if I will watch it without a kid, though. Right. So, um, next up is "Take Me Home Tonight," which is, I think, for the year, the best surprise of a movie that I watched. So, really? it was the best movie with the lowest expectations that I had. Um, it's. It really. It feels a lot like uh, American Graffiti in this um, kind of this, like, one night defining somebody's life. Um, you know, it's about a kid fresh out of college, and he does, he's just recently decided he doesn't want to go to graduate school and but doesn't have an alternative plan. And so, you know, it's this, like, one night, one party where he finds himself kind of movie. It's those coming-of-age movies, but it was, it was really entertaining and heartfelt one. Um... Next up, I watched uh, Battle Los Angeles. I couldn't bring myself to watch that. That was a mess of a movie. Like, I mean, they didn't even put effort into the title. Yeah. So I can't really be expected to put effort into watching it. I was, I was highly disappointed by that movie. Because, you know, it should have it been a nice run-of-the-mill alien invasion, let's shoot a movie. But they couldn't even do that. <laughs> And there was, and it was, it was shot like a war movie. Like I think that was supposed to be the big appeal, but really what that meant was there was a lot of dust flying in front of the screen, and I couldn't see the aliens. And so, that's like, it was it was rough. Um, oh, I forgot I watched Red Riding Hood. Red Riding Hood is next. Um, oh no. Okay, uh, I gotta know. My question about this movie is why would you watch it? You you're not obligated to watch every movie that comes out this year, Joel. And what was like it was it was on netflix instant for a while and so i was multitasking um 
it has crazy Gary Oldman in it. Like, you know, because <laughs> Gary Oldman has, like, <laughs> I should win an Oscar roles, and I'm doing a crazy person movie roles. Is it like Bill Nighy with the Underworld movies, where you're just like, yes, you're a good actor. <laughs> what are you doing? Like, he is, he is doing a favor for somebody. Um, Do you think but Catherine Yeah, he plays Hardwick this, like, werewolf hunter with wonder. really long fingernails it's like not... do you think that she has a picture of gary oldman doing something <laughs> this is the blackmail yeah that's it's the only thing i can think of oh it's yeah it was a rough movie right. um well also because you know the story little red riding hood is a pretty short movie or a short story and so like it's painfully stretched out across this movie Next up, we have Paul, which I think John finally got to see. I did get so to see. Join the conversation, pass... John. I know. I'm making a contribution to this podcast. <laughs> um, it was, I will take an excuse to watch Simon Pegg and Nick Frost do nerdy things. And um, I really enjoyed this movie. I thought that there were parts of it that were a little slow. I thought that Seth Rogen was not the right cast for the alien because you were just like, oh, it's Seth Rogen doing Seth Rogen yeah. things. Um, but I thought it was funny. I really thought that it had jokes. I thought the cameos were really good. And it was a fun spring movie when there wasn't a ton of other stuff out. So yeah. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, you know, Paul sounded like Seth Rogen. It was impossible to not imagine Seth Rogen delivering these lines. Um, but yeah, I really liked it. it. It felt like it was, you know, written by two nerdy guys making references to these movies that they loved in their basement and so um yeah it it felt like a real like it was passionate about the subject um so i liked paul it was funny <sighs> next up is uh limitless which is the movie where bradley cooper gets a pill that lets him focus really really well and so, so it's like riddle in the movie yes <laughs> okay um <laughs> But it was actually it was it was really interesting of of all the like sci-fi movies that come out in March um it was a really good one of those um so I know, I know that's not a that's not a category that has many great classics to its to its name but it was a really uh interesting concept um it had Robert De Niro um and Robert De Niro trying really hard to be good in this movie. And so, you know, sometimes Robert Nier, I think, is known for phoning it in, but he worked real hard on this movie. Oh. So, yeah, I was pleased. Uh, oh, next up is The Lincoln Lawyer. Which... Do you want to say Lincoln Log every time you say that title? <laughs> A little bit. Okay. I, just, I, just check. I, don't, I don't remember what this movie's about. It's Matthew McConaughey with a shirt on. Yeah. Did you take, did you take a shirt off in the entire movie? Not that I recollect. Wow. I I I, I don't I don't think I might so. see it just for that. Um. Yeah. It's. I mean, it was it was a really standard lawyer movie. Um, and, and it's to the point where it's it's so standard and you know forgettable paint by numbers kind of movie that I don't remember what his client was in trouble for. I think a call girl got killed. Um, and so. That's that's really all I can say. Um, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a bad movie. It wasn't bad enough to be memorable either. So, 
it's I guess pretty, you know, down the middle kind of movie. All right. All right. Next up is Sucker Punch, which is <laughs> Zack Snyder's movie, which uh, had such, a, which is a movie I was very excited about until I saw the Rotten Tomato score and then decided that I wasn't gonna watch it. Sucker Punch is the exact movie the 13-year-old version me would have pitched to the producers that, you know, live inside my head, and it would have been brilliant to the 13-year-old me. So, it's just, it's it's a lot of heavily, heavily stylized action. Um, girls not wearing a lot. Um, there's a dragon. Um, there's some Nazis. Um, so pretty much they were just like Zack Snyder what do you like in a movie he's like stylish action girls with little clothing dragons Nazis violence and then they were like do that yeah and he was just like okay he, and he, he figured out how to cram it all into a movie um, so John Hamm couldn't even save it no John Hamm wasn't in it enough oh no I don't know how you get John Hamm to <laughs> agree to do your movie and then not put him in any more than you did <laughs> so, all right also, the main character didn't talk for, like, the first 25 minutes of the movie. Which is just... I mean, it wasn't a bad thing. It was just a really odd thing that, like, you start to notice at about minute, you know, 15 or so. You're like, I don't think I don't think she's talked yet. And then you're waiting, and it's a little more, and you're like, oh, oh, man, they're, they're really building up to her first lines. They're going to be, like, this memorable quote. And then she says something like, are you guys okay? Or something really... Forgettable. I was like, oh, it was such a letdown. Oh, no. Okay, so next up is a movie that was actually, I think, probably misplaced for when it was, came out for its goodness, was yeah. uh, Source Code, which was the Jake Gyllenhaal kind of, I don't really know how to describe it. Let's call it sci-fi. Sci-fi with a question mark after Sci-fi? <laughs> we had the director of uh, Moon, Moon yeah. which was a movie I really loved. And I really enjoyed it. I think that there were some problems with it, I guess. But not enough to make me care. I thought Jake Gyllenhaal was really good. I thought that it kept you guessing. I thought that I had a lot of fun watching it. Yeah, Source Code was excellent. Um, yeah, it was, yeah, for the first, I guess, quarter of the year, it was probably the best movie. Um, probably yeah so well worth well worth a watch um yeah just an interesting storyline an interesting idea for a movie it felt very original um which also moon did the same thing it was just it was um it was a very interesting movie yeah uh all right next up is arthur which is a remake of an 80s movie about a billionaire who doesn't, you know, want to take any responsibility, I, I guess, is the concept. It had Russell Brand, who is annoying in a delightful way most of the time. Yeah. Um, and he was for most of this movie. I didn't hate this movie as the other people I did. It made Helen Mirren really boring, which is kind of unforgivable. <laughs> um, Greta Gerwig, who plays his love interest, I thought was really great. I really am a fan of her. And the Jennifer Gardner was cashing a paycheck. Um, I thought it was fine. I thought that there were some funny moments to it, but it didn't really hold up as a movie. See, I really like the original. I didn't see the original. And I think I like the original too much to like this one. Okay. Um, yeah. Russell Brand 
can't not play Russell Brand. Um, every, I mean, every character is some variation of of himself. And so, um, talk about to Seth Rogen. That guy's a millionaire. I'm, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> saying. I'm not saying that's not a working formula. Uh, okay. <laughs> But that's but that's not at all what the original Arthur was. Like he wasn't, you know, he he was a drunk, but he wasn't, you know, a, he wasn't the character that that Russell Brand played. So um, yeah, I I think I spent too much time picking out differences to ever give the movie a fair chance. But I ended up not liking it. Okay. Oh, so, uh, next up was Your Highness, Ooh. which should have been so good. I have, yeah, I didn't see it. Like, if if I'd never heard of it and somebody told me what it was about, I don't know, that's great. Because it's, you know, this medieval fantasy comedy that's, you know, a good rated R comedy um, with all these entertaining actors in it. And I'm like, that sounds fascinating. And they're like, nope, we're going to make it really boring. Let's do that instead. Well, Danny McBride, I don't think can carry a movie. Yeah. I I don't find him likable. He did not carry this one. In a more than 30 minutes on screen kind of way. Yeah. It's not been a good year for Natalie Portman, I'm just now realizing. I know. This is this is the second one where I gave the movie a more than fair shot just because she was in it. And she did not repay that. I know. Oh, oh. Yeah, now I'm mad at Natalie Portman. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't be that mad. I know. I'm, I'm a little mad. <laughs> okay. But All right. All right. Next up is oh, is the greatest movie ever sold, which is Morgan Spurlock's new documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, it's basically all about product placement in movies and um, how product placement works and the the gimmick because you know he always has a gimmick with his movies. Yeah. Um, the gimmick was that the entire movie was paid by paid for by uh, you know product placement and in film advertising. Um, it was a very interesting idea. Uh, it apparently wasn't a 90 minutes interesting idea. Um, cause the movie really started to feel like it was, it was dragging in the middle. Um, but it was an interesting idea, very interesting statistics and process, but I guess m- most likely because he's a very, you know, he's an independent filmmaker who is making a documentary that's not going to have a huge appeal, he doesn't, he doesn't get any big sponsors. Pepsi and Mountain Dew and, you know, Nissan, none of that is in the movie. Um, it's a lot of obscure brands that I hadn't heard of before the movie. Which kind of defeats the purpose of the movie. Well, yeah. I mean, in that sense, you know, I now know what Palm Wonderful is. Like, every time I see it in the grocery store, I'm like... I know exactly what that is. I can pick you out from all the other juice drinks that are on this aisle. I still haven't bought one, you know. Well, no, I haven't. I haven't tasted it. I don't know what it's about, but it's pomegranates in it. <laughs> all right. So uh, next up was next up was Fast Five, which is my regret of the of the of the year as to have not seen it yet. Oh, Fast Five was was far better than it had any right to be. Oh man. And, just, like, I was thinking about it, I was like, about five years ago was when Tokyo Drift came out, and it was such a solid nail in the coffin of this franchise, and it's just, it's 
come around and when the fifth movie is the best movie of the franchise, it's is that is that a indictment on the rest of the franchise or is it a testament to how good the movie was? I mean, I I will say I liked the first one against my better judgment cuz I mean, it's, you know, it's fun racing trash. Um but this is fun racing trash where the rock fights Vin Diesel in the middle of it. <laughs> so, you know, mathematically it's just better. Okay. Okay. Now we're going to move on to, what, Something Borrowed, Something borrowed. which I am not ashamed to oh, see. Oh, man. Oh, man. I think this is the worst movie of the year. No. Oh, man. This was just... It can't... Okay. It can't be worse than some of the stuff we've gone through. Is it worse than Red Riding Hood? I'm going to say it's worse than Red Riding Hood. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. No, I'd rather watch Red Riding Hood again. Mm-hmm. Because, so, you know, the, the way that... The, uh, romantic comedies like this work is that you really have to at least kind of want the people who are supposed to end up end up together but you can't spend the whole movie going these people aren't right for each other and I these are both terrible people and I don't want any happiness for either of them and except for maybe the only reason they should end up together is so they don't infect relationships with other nice people and so this won't turn into a longer movie of them fighting the rest of those people. Yes. Oh man. It was it was rough. It was a rough movie. So. And now we're on to movies I've seen. Thankfully, because we've we've hit the summer, which is we've hit the summer when I finally got to the theater. So <laughs> we'll start off with Thor. Which okay, Natalie Portman. I'll give Natalie Portman this one. Natalie Portman's it, best movie so far. It is certainly her best movie by far. <laughs> I thought that this one was good. I thought that they wouldn't have made a Thor movie if they didn't have to in order to have the Avengers make sense. Um, I thought it was good. That's kind of all I got to say about it. I, I thought, thought that, that... Thor was awesome. <laughs> uh, no, I, I really liked that. I think I might have liked Thor as much as Iron Man. Ooh, why? <sighs> um, because I, I really liked Chris Helmsworth. Um. I thought he made a very entertaining Thor in both the regal god aspect of the of the character and the uh, stranger on earth aspect of the character. I thought that part of the story was a lot stronger than the mythology in the clouds with yeah. all the kind uh, of not awesome CGI. I thought that when he was on earth and it was kind of like a he didn't really know how to react. I thought that that part was really good. Uh, Natalie Portman and Kat Dennings and all these other people, but um, except for Idris Elba, who automatically adds a star to any movie he's in, <laughs> in my book. Uh, I'm not even gonna lie. Um, uh, I really, I liked, I liked Asgard. I liked the look of it. Um, I liked the look of the I just Rainbow think Bridge. The Storylines were very because interesting like when we it. You know, the Rainbow Bridge is kind of one of the silliest things in all of Marvel comics. And to put that with, you know, a little bit of respect on the screen, I was really impressed by that. Um, I, I liked the, the sequence with the frost giants a lot. I thought it was, it was really, really impressively done. I will say the story kind of falls away at the end because the bad guy is like this giant man with a laser face. 
Oh, wait, so, Joel, are you saying giant Iron Men don't make very good villains? Because that's what I've been saying about the Iron Man franchise for a while. <laughs> only only when lasers come out of their whole face. <laughs> um, yeah, that, the end fight was not very good. And, and, I, think and that I, that was... I think that was because they had already decided that, you know, Loki is going to be the main bad guy of the Avengers movie in 2012. And so they, they kind of have to save him. They, they can't really do the impressive Loki and Thor fight that they would have done. If they had just been making a Thor movie, I think it would have been a much better climax. So I think, I think the problems with the movie are, are suffering are because it's already part of this franchise. It feels like a prequel that we haven't gotten the main movie to yet. You know, like it's almost like <clears throat> part of the appeal of a prequel is, is that you see these characters, you already know who they are. You kind of, you've already seen the original movie. And I thought that the, this felt like a prequel to a movie nobody had seen yet. So it kind of felt a little weird. I, I can see that argument. I'll, I'll agree with that. Um, part of it's just exciting because I never thought they were going to make a Thor movie. Like you think five years ago, you know, they're like, let's make a movie about Thor because he's, he's such a like third and fourth tier level in the comics and yes it doesn't really fit into the rest of them because the rest of them you know they take place at least somewhat in reality this one is literally just some god from another realm like well yeah it's all, very bizarre how he fits in with the rest of the, them. the rest of the avengers are all you know through science through either mistakes of science or through successes of science is how they came about and then thor comes along and goes magic magic <laughs> is the answer <laughs> yeah so, um yeah but you know what? i like thor it was i liked it too it was highly entertaining okay now we're on to bridesmaids which we will probably disagree on what did you think of bridesmaids i want to hear this first. i i agreed with the rest of the world okay <laughs> and thought bridesmaids was great i love what bridesmaids represents i think that there should be a lot more female raunch comedies i think that that's a market that has been completely ignored i didn't like the movie though i don't find poop funny i don't care if it's <laughs> a woman pooping i don't care if it's a man pooping i don't find poop funny yeah i don't find farts funny i just like and also i thought that Kristen wiggs character was so unlikable i was like you deserve to be miserable you terrible person and then you're supposed to feel sorry for her. But she's just a terrible person throughout most of the movie. And I didn't really get behind her because of that. I was just like, stop messing up this wedding because you're feeling sorry for yourself. It's uh, really... Bridesmaids, I, I liken to Hangover in that half of the entertainment was sitting in a crowded theater. And, you know, with a hundred people all laughing at the same joke. Um, it might not have been as, as funny, or at least as laugh out loud funny as it, as I had watched it alone on DVD. Um, a couple of scenes, especially the scene where they delivered the toast was unbearable for me though. I That's say. the kind of stuff I'm talking about it's, that I just, it's, there were parts I liked about it. Melissa McCarthy was amazing. She wasn't in it enough. I thought this would be a movie about bridesmaids. It wasn't. The bridesmaids were in it for what? 30 minutes of the entire movie? I thought I was like, oh, they're going to go to Vegas. Nope. They didn't go to Vegas. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't get to spend it. So it was just this kind of jealousy thing between two girls over the bride. And then I just thought that what could have been the funny parts were completely cut out. And then it was Kristen Wiig feeling sorry for herself because her bakery got shut down the rest of the movie. 
don't know. I, I thought it was funny. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Melissa McCarthy was the best part of this movie, easily. Um, also, the, the cop boyfriend. Uh, yes, from who, the IT crowd. Who's, yeah, <laughs> who's Roy from the IT crowd? I don't know what his name is in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it was Roy from the IT crowd. Um, sure. the, it's specifically the one scene where she's trying to get his attention by breaking the funny. law. That was very funny. Uh, I, I enjoyed parts of it, and I wish that it would have been... That, that's the thing, is, is very specific parts of it are, are the, is the funniest thing I've seen in theaters this year. I can even get behind that, um, in a way. And so, I, that for me, that was enough to, to really enjoy the movie. But yeah, it's, it's also, it is a gross movie, because yeah, there's pooping and throwing up, and a lot of, you know... Stuff it's, that, it's the episodes of South Park at all. Like, yeah, which is pretty yeah. much just. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll say that's that's definitely in this movie. Okay. Um, next up is Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides, which is the fourth movie in this franchise that's just going to go forever. Apparently, um, I'm going to say this is the this is the second best Pirates movie. Um, it's okay, I mean, it's I mean it's still nowhere near how good the first one was. But it it easily outstretches the second and third one. I just couldn't do it. I couldn't bring myself to see another Pirates movie. I like Johnny Depp. I like the character. I just... Um, and and honestly, what worked for it is uh, that they got rid of Will and Elizabeth. The and it was just it. Um, it was it was such it was enough focus on this, the most entertaining aspects of the first movie. Um. And so it's one where I I solidly enjoyed it, um, and, and enough so that I'll probably go see the fifth one that I'm sure is going to come out. Um, I'm sure it is. This this was kind of my like I give this franchise one last chance because it should have ended after three and you know but I'll give it this one more chance before I call it quits and it was good enough that that I'm at least interested. If not, I'm not looking forward to the to the fifth one, but, but you'll see it. I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty content with going to see it. Yeah. So. All right, now we'll move on to. I'm gonna be honest. My I think it's probably my favorite movie of the year. Um, I still get to come up with my official top five or top ten, but uh, Midnight in Paris came out during the summer, and it's yeah. a movie. I was shocked as to how much I loved it. Um, I thought it was magical in a way Woody Allen hasn't been in a long time. I thought that the acting was really fantastic. I thought the story moved along really well. I, I thought, I just loved everything about it, to yeah. be honest. Um, I haven't seen it. That's that. I think that's my big regret of the year, yeah. is not getting to see that one. Um, but yeah, it's it feels like it's kind of time for Woody Allen to make a great movie again. Um, he may, Since he makes a movie every year, it, there's a lot of like okay movies and then forgettable movies and and he makes a good movie at about the same rate as other really strong directors but he just he pads the other time with a lot of more forgettable okay, movies. So. Well the thing is is that Woody Allen's always best when like the cities he's describing are like character like the opening to this movie is the same as the opening to Manhattan where uh-huh. it's just a lot of still shots of um the city yeah, with a monologue going over it. And I, and from then on, I was like, okay, this might be good. And then I won't, I can't talk about it too much cause I don't want to give away the spoiler that kind of really, it's best if you don't know, but, yeah. um, I, I, 
it's it's his one of his top three or four movies, and that's saying a lot. For that's Woody saying Allen. a lot for Woody Allen. It, yeah. it, it, it's true. It's really a, a fantastic movie. Okay, now on to speaking of the Hangover. Yeah, speaking of the Hangover, the Hangover Part Two, or the Hangover Part One, done on a green screen with Shanghai in the background. Bangkok is Bangkok. I Bangkok think. in the background. Yeah, I think what it was is that like. It's a band that does an acoustic version of a song, but the only thing they change about the song is they put an acoustic guitar in instead of an electric guitar, and that's somehow the acoustic version. Like, they didn't change anything. The twists were exactly the same. The jokes yep. were exactly... It was... I almost got mad because of how little <laughs> they tried. But No, you are, you are paying another ticket price to watch the same movie again. A, a slightly worse version of the movie. Yeah. And they still didn't have Doug in it. Yeah. Doug better get drunk in the third one. Seriously. So, and everything that I really liked about the first one just got really annoying. I thought that um, Bradley Cooper's character was more annoying. I thought Ed Helms' character was more annoying. And the parts that were more ridiculous weren't more ridiculous in a good way. Yeah, no, um, I agree. Um, my favorite part of this movie was when we went to Zach Galifianakis' room at the very beginning and there was a picture of Macho Man Randy Savage on the wall. And I went, hey, Macho Man Randy Savage. And I could have gone home after that. Yeah. It was, and then just watch the rest of The Hangover. Yeah, and save yourself watch The Hangover bucks. again. Um, yeah, it's just, it was, it was too much of a retread of the first one. Yeah. And that's pretty much, you know, people talk about The Hangover, so I don't really think we need to talk about The Hangover Part 2 much more, because it's pretty much the exact same yeah. thing. So, move on to The Tree of Life. And did you see this one? I don't remember. I did not see this one, no. It's the kind of movie where everybody's like, you'll either love it or you'll hate it. And I didn't do either. I thought it was just very... Blah. Like, it was weird. It wasn't a story. Yeah. And there were a lot of shots of space, for no reason. But I didn't hate it. I didn't like it. It was just... It wasn't a very good movie, in a way. Like, I like my movies to have stories and um, plots and things like that. And Sean Penn was completely irrelevant to the movie. And I just kept waiting for something to happen. And for and it just never... So it went on for two and a half hours. And I was just like, okay, yeah. so it's done. What's for dinner? It was very... There's it's, it's one that I, I know I'll watch at some point on Netflix... Um, the the two and a half hour runtime is kind of intimidating for it, and it, it you feel it. Yeah, it's, you feel the entire <laughs> two and a half hours. So, but I will I will see it at some point. Uh, okay, just so uh, moving on. <laughs> uh, X Men First Class. What did you think of this movie? I think I remember, but what did what did you think? This movie was crazy good. It was crazy good. <laughs> this movie was like. Everything. Speaking of movies that had no business being good. <laughs> that's that's the mantra of this year, of it 2011, really was movies that were supposed to be terrible, or are so, for some reason amazing. I love this. I thought that it was the second best X-Men movie, and not far behind X2, which I think is the best X-Men movie. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's miles ahead of 3 and Wolverine's movie. Um, I, it, it, I mean... It's yeah, it's in the the top tiers of the X Men movies, which if you can remember back to two thousand three, was a great franchise. Like I feel like I'd forgotten that until I saw this movie. 
It's because they weren't beholden to all the like. You could tell in three by the time they got there, they were just there were too many characters. None of them really cared. Yeah, and it just it had Brett Ratner, which was its worst part to begin with. <laughs> but and then Wolverine was even worse. I know you liked it more than I did, but I really didn't like Wolverine, and I thought that it just. It, the action was really fantastic. I thought that it was funny when it needed to be. It had Kevin Bacon in it, which always makes a movie better. And incredibly I, compelling characters. Yeah. Um. And like yeah, I, with development and depth, and you know, there weren't any gimmicks to it, really. Yeah. Um, no. In a way that there were with Wolverine, there weren't like cameos where you were like, oh, oh I mean, there were cameos, that? but they were fun, you know. There were cameos, but they they were relevant. And they didn't detract from the story. No, they so, added to it in a way um, that they didn't in Wolverine. The, the biggest, yeah, the biggest problem with Wolverine is if you don't know the comics, um, the cameos, you know, take away from the story because you don't know what they're there for. Yeah. And this one, you can you can watch the movie as a complete X Men novice and still get a meaningful experience out of it. So, yeah, highly recommended. I yeah. think we can one of agree. one of the best movies of the year. Absolutely. Um, okay, our next one is a movie I saw recently that came out over the summer, and it was Beginners. And it was another one of those movies where it just, you could tell they were going for Oscar. For those who don't know, it's Christopher Plummer is, um, oh, yeah. is he, he comes out as gay when he's well into his 70s after his wife dies. And it's about his relationship with his son and... Um, who is played by Ian McGregor and Ian McGregor's relationship with his dad's boyfriend. And it wasn't very good because everybody was just mopey. I thought Christopher Plummer was fine. I think that he's getting a lot of Oscar buzz just because of the role as opposed to the actual performance, you know, that kind of thing. Uh Um, And it just, I I didn't find it very interesting. I didn't find the characters compelling. I didn't find it funny. I didn't find, find it dramatic. I didn't find it sad. I just, found a concept that was obviously going for Oscars that wasn't executed well at all. So, yeah, I don't know. I didn't see, and I didn't hear about it at all over the summer. It's like, it's only towards the I end heard of about the year. NPR, which is a very NPR thing for them to promote. Yeah. And then I was just like, Oh, okay. And then eventually I saw it and there are more movies. There, I could have watched fast five instead. I think. <laughs> okay. All right. Moving, Moving on, on to uh, super eight, think, which I thought was, one of the best original movies of the of, of the summer. I mean, personally. it didn't have a whole lot of competition in original movie, but yeah. Well, but still, it, it was. I, I mean, it was a great movie. It was. So. It was. It was as good, and I don't think I'm overstating, as like those classic movies from the '80s with the ET and the Goonies. And the, it, it felt it felt like the Goonies, um, and you know, you kind of you hear on the internet every three years or so about. You know, the Goonies 2, uh, some people are interested in again. It's usually people from the Goonies 1 who want to jumpstart their career again. Yeah. So you hear this, oh, Goonies 2, it could happen. Don't you want to see Goonies 2? But, I mean, this is, if you want to see Goonies 2, this is what you want to see. Yeah, and I thought that it it was kind of in the vein of those movies without feeling too, like it ripped it off at all. Yeah, it didn't pander to them. It didn't... I didn't find kids annoying, which is a rare thing for me in a movie, because I think kids ruin most movies. Um, I thought that they did a really good job of not revealing what the monster was. I, yeah. And it's the kind of movie where I think 
adults can enjoy it as much as children, which when you see E.T., at least when I saw E.T. and I saw the Goonies, it was, you were a kid, and so you got it from a kid's perspective. It was nice seeing those sorts of movies from an adult perspective for the first time. Yeah. Yeah, so I'll, I'll give a solid recommendation to Super 8. Not the same one for the next movie. Green I Lantern. Think, which I did not see, and I am not regretting that decision. Oh, well, man. Bit. The thing is, this was this was DC's chance. Um, Marvel has has their movies set out, planned. They've made several successful, great movies about their superheroes and about their less famous superheroes. They've got a clear direction where they're taking these franchises. They've um, got Disney on their side. They've got... DC, DC has Batman. They've got amazing Batman movies and nothing else. And, and Zack Snyder's Superman, which is sounding less and less good by the day. Yeah. But this was their chance. This was, you know, their chance to a, a lesser, a lesser superhero, or at least a lesser well-known superhero, uh, to bring him into the main audience, main mainstream, and they completely dropped the ball on it. Um, nothing about Green Lantern makes you want to watch Green Lantern too, um, and it's just, it's a flat characterization, uh, boring storyline confusing bad guy uh it, it's it's the same bad guy from fantastic four too so it's uh, yeah it was rough and the you know the big complaint was about the cgi suit ryan reynolds doesn't ever put on a costume he wears you know he has a cgi suit on which i could get past except for the fact that he also had a cgi mask which meant they had to cgi his eyes and so, like, every time he had to put on a mask, his eyes went, like, dead and soulless. And it was so unnerving. So, yeah. It's, it's probably biggest disappointment of the year. Maybe. Wait, we'll wait, wait two movies. Then we'll talk. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, next is Bad Teacher. Bad Teacher. Oh. Okay. Um... So to make this kind of movie work, this is the kind of movie where it's a person who is selfish, self-centered, doesn't care about their job, just, you know, always out for themselves, willing to screw over anybody else to get ahead. But they have that, you know, grain of goodness and that heart of gold that still makes them endearing and, you you know, you you end up feeling like you should root for them and, and you're happy when they succeed. Yeah, this character didn't have that. They were just a terrible person in this whole movie. And it, you know, I gave him a solid hour and 15 minutes. And then I was like, you have 20 minutes left in this movie. I I am no longer hoping you succeed at anything in life. You hope this is a a Hamlet-esque tragedy. Yeah, so the movie had a sad ending for me. (laughs) (laughs) It would have been better if everybody had died. Yes. Except for the poor... Jason Siegel, gym teacher, who was such a nice person, and I wanted to rescue him from these terrible, terrible people throughout the rest of this movie. And put him in the Muppets. Yes. So. Okay, now we're moving on, because I don't want to talk about that teacher anymore. So we're going to move on to Cars 2, which... Yeah. Cars, Cars 2, 2 is one of the best DreamWorks movies. It was terrible. It was, and I realize it's terrible 
because it's Pixar, it would have been mediocre otherwise. First yeah. off, why make Larry the Cable Guy the main character in anything you've ever done? <laughs> I have a problem with him being the main character of the Prilosec OTC commercials. I can't even handle that for 30 seconds. And it, I liked Cars 1 because it was simple. It was a good kid's movie. It taught children a lesson. It was yeah. funny. It, I, Cars 2 is terrible there. In Cars 2, it's, you know, part of me is, you know, saying that, that why, why shouldn't this kids, you know, this company that makes kids movies uh, be able to make a, you know, a small, fun kids movie? But the thing is, they've spent, like, 25 years building up a company with a reputation of always making these, you know, wonderful, heartfelt movies. And they've never, they've never welched on that promise before this one. Well, the thing is, is that like one of the, th- I've always felt with saying, oh, it's a kid's movie is kind of a cop out for making a bad movie. Like Cats and Dogs is a kid's movie. It doesn't take away from the fact that it's a really, really, really bad movie. And Pixar had always risen above that. Like Wally's a kid's movie, but it's also just a fantastic movie. Yeah. And Cars 2, I don't think Pixar is part of the reputation is that they can't get away with just saying it's a kid's movie anymore. Because it's not what their company's built on, so I was just really. Yeah, I mean, if if you hold Cars Two on its own, it is. It's it's still better than most of what DreamWorks has done, most of what Sony Pictures has done. Not not better than Dragon or Shrek, or Kung Fu Panda. Yeah. Um, other than that, it's better than all the DreamWorks movies, but it does. I mean, but still, the the problem is it's not a DreamWorks movie; it's a Pixar movie. Yeah. And so, you you can't yeah you can't have that as your scapegoat. I feel no. Now on to the, a movie I did not see, which once it was out of theaters, I felt it irrelevant to see, yeah. which was Transformers: Dark of the <laughs> Yeah, Moon. Transformers. If you miss Transformers in theaters, there's absolutely no point in watching it. Um, was it better than two? I like two better. Well, you like two a lot better. I, I mean, I like two better worst. than most people. Um, this one, two is, two this is, this one felt like the longest Transformers movie. I don't actually know if it was, but you really, really felt the time on this movie. On this, yeah, it was like two and a half hour movie. Um, it was, it was just, it was so long, and there were so many moments where it felt like this is, this is a solid ending point for this movie. This is a great. Let's see. All right, here I can see it coming. Here's the climax. Here's the resolution. I'm gonna be out of this theater in 20 minutes. He's like, nope, hour 20 minutes. That's when you're gonna be out of this theater. What's up? I'm Michael Bay. <laughs> you're gonna stay there till I say you can leave. And those, and I guess this is a small squabble, but it bothered me the whole movie because, um, in the second movie, the Shia LaBeouf character, all he wanted to do was be a normal kid. And go to college, have his normal life, and, you know, and they wouldn't let him. He kept getting pulled back against his will into this, you know, giant war with the Decepticons. And so in this movie, all, you know, all he wants is for people to recognize that he's saved the world twice now, and nobody cares. And he's so upset about that, and I'm going, that's exactly what you wanted last time. So, uh, yeah. It was, you know, and to complain about poor character development in a Transformers movie is ridiculous, but it was it was frustrating. Wow. Yeah. 
So now on to a movie that we both have seen, as yes, far as I have. know. Um, it's going to be Horrible Bosses, which I thought was a very decent movie on aggregate. I thought that there were parts that I really didn't like, and there yeah. were parts that I found really funny. And it was a nice way to break up all the action and the wizards and the it was a it was a solid summer comedy I yeah thought. yeah for a summer comedy a really good yeah just flat summer comedy there were there were definite segments in the movie where it was really funny for three minutes straight and then there was you know a kind of a mellow part but then three more minutes that were really really funny um it so, had too good a cast to be really bad yeah it, is, it, it it's one of the better casts i've seen in a comedy so it had a floor as to how bad it could be. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. Um, and yeah, it was mostly it was just fun to watch these people because for the Fox most part, they're was, all people that I like. Jamie Fox was sort of bad though. Like I thought I was looking forward to that because I was like, oh, it's gonna be Jamie Fox being a a crazy killer and it'll be a lot of fun. But his part was like by far the worst of the you movie. You didn't like I Jamie Fox? I liked no. him okay. Um, I mean, it wasn't. It's the type of cameo that in the trailer you're looking at, you know, this is going to be the highlight of the movie. And it definitely wasn't the highlight of the movie. Um, yeah, I guess. So, I like I like Jason Sudeikis a lot. Well, Jason Sudeikis had a... His, the movies he were in weren't fantastic, but I thought he had a breakout year, if that yeah. makes sense. So... I mean, I, he, has, he has a clear movie career after Saturday Night Live, I feel. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um... Now on to our final movie, which we saved for last because we felt as though we talked about it for a bit, so we yes. didn't want to rush ourselves. And that was Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2, the eighth and final movie in the Harry Potter franchise, and I think by far the best, because they got all the boring marching parts out of the way in the beginning, and it was just yeah. two and a half hours of action, and I, I really love it. Um... This is one, like Lord of the Rings, it's really, really difficult for me to separate part one and part two and, and judge them separately. But, um, you know, it's it's a amazing ending to what has turned out to be an amazing franchise. Took um, you a little bit to get there, but yeah. Well, that's the thing. About, about four, I was thinking, I can't wait till I'm 60 and they remake these movies. And those are the... Those are the good versions that are going to become classics. But then, like... Then the, the kids got good at acting. And I think yeah, that's well, what really yeah. changed it. The last, the last set of them, the last half, have all been fantastic. And this one was just a, a really, really great cap on the end of this series. Um, and it there there is. There's a testament to how much the main kids have grown in their acting ability. Um... And not just the three main ones. Uh, Tom Felton is Draco Malfoy, which is this, you know, which for the, the final story is a surprisingly in-depth character that he does really well at, at pulling off this character. You also see just how good Alan Rickman is in this one, because in the first couple he had to be good, but he didn't really have to do a ton more than clip his words very well and look yeah. surly and a bit evil. But I thought that he just... When he actually had to dig deep and get to the core of what Snape was, he just kind of knocked it out of the park. Oh, he did great. Um, there's several, there's several little moments that that are really, really good in this movie. Um, there's one where Voldemort tries <laughs> to 
Um, he's he's pleased. He's ha- he's happy with Drake hug? with Draco. Is yeah, it's the, the hug? hug. It's the Draco hug, and it's it's a silly moment because, um, but it's also kind of this, you know, this tiny moment that I think speaks a lot about the character because, yeah, Voldemort doesn't know how to hug people, which you know, you kind of it, it was the most awkward hug in film history. It <laughs> might be. I think it was. I mean, but it's a thing where like I no, I would never be able to tell you like you know. I can say with certainty how how Voldemort hugs, whether he's a good hugger or not. But you know, to see that he's just he's such a stranger to human contact that, um, and to do it in that in that tiny little way. I also really only think I'm the only person in my theater, and I think I just am contrary in this way that doesn't like the "not my daughter, you bitch" line because it that works was... really well written down, but you're waiting for it. And it just seems a little cheesy. That's the thing. I remember. I remember reading that back in two thousand and seven, and and I read it and I went, J.K. Rowling put that in a book so it could be in a movie. And it was just because it. Fe- I mean, it feels like an action hero catchphrase. It does, and it's like you're Jenny Wee or you're, you're Mrs. Weasley. You cook pots and pans, and it's awesome that you're killing people. But like, you didn't need the Schwarzenegger line. <laughs> and there were just. But, I mean, those are bit picky things at worst because. I thought that David Yates was a really great choice for the director, and I'm glad they stuck stuck with him because mm-hmm. I thought that he really he improved with the movies as much as the actors did. I thought, yeah, yeah, the, I thought the, it was a mistake to change directors as often as they did. Yeah, well, that I mean, it becomes clear because the last four, are, I think, the strongest of the series. Um. Although I don't and know if, if I would have cared for a Chris Columbus, you know, Deathly Hallows movie. Would have been better with uh, Steven Spielberg and <laughs> Haley Joel Osment? Is that... You know what? I'm going to say yes, just because Steven Spielberg. <laughs> I think Steven Spielberg would have pulled it out of the hat somehow, some way. Uh, you liked Indiana Jones 4. But that's a, <laughs> that's a conversation for a different day, I think. Yes. Um, um, we're going we're gonna to take a break here. We still have a little over 20 movies left in the year, but... We've run our time on this podcast, so that'll be next week. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week.